happy end of August to you, Jahao. I hear in a couple of days you're leaving to Mexico, which is super exciting, uh, given that they're one of the only countries that is available to U.S. travelers right now at the moment. Yeah. I, well, first of all, can you? It's it, 2021 is already three fourths of the way over. Can you believe that? I I can't believe it that there's only what four months left. Nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's gone by so quickly. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, I it, can you believe it's already been you know nearly one and a half. Well, no, it's it's almost been you know two years since the two years since the beginning of COVID, which started in like what November. I believe yeah, it was uh, November or maybe early December. Uh-huh. So it it's been wow, almost two years. It's been one and a half years since we went into lockdown. And who knows? Maybe the lockdowns will continue. So Delta, ev- in that sense everybody's favorite, you know, airline, <laughs> Delta, is bringing us and, all and back. And I hate to be pessimistic, but I heard recently in the news that there was another mutating variant found in South Africa that was apparently more uh, contagious than the Delta variant. Now I don't know it, if it's going to spread as quickly. Is that the one that's called Delta Plus? I don't know actually. I didn't look into it but uh somebody on my debate team mentioned it so that's how i heard about it you know what would be an amazing you know would be an amazing like well you know would be a very punny marketing tactic for delta i mean what's that you know just just the usual right you know just it like delta can market themselves as like just like the delta variant we reach all over the world (laughs) that's good uh and and their their product too is is just as contagious uh, as as the variant in terms of uh, attracting customers and whatnot, you know. Or compared to American United, they they are much better at creating a, a contagious affection. Or you know, contagious in the sense that it's filthy, and so <laughs> it is literally contagious. But I don't know. That too, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not. I, I do. It's not American, so. But I do want to know more about this Mexico trip you have planned because you mentioned to me at least that uh, it was two weeks and uh, you're debating uh, how much you're going to pay for it. But I, w- I want to hear more about that and, and what it's going to look for like. For sure, for sure. Well, so, I mean, as you know, I am actually entering a gap year um, before entering university. But because COVID is amazing and all, um, most countries are still closed to travelers. Uh, one country which is not is, of course, um, Los Estados Unidos Mexicanos. Right. Um, and I have been to Mexico. I've been to I've been to well only like the far ends. Um, I've been to Cancun, tourist haven and a few border towns. Right. Which includes, you know, for example, Tijuana. Um, I've never been to Mexico, Mexico. So I'm thinking, you know, for a change of pace, I was looking at flights. Um, there is a pretty good fare on Viva Aerobus, at least relatively speaking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's around it's around one seventy five from Chicago to Mexico City round trip, and I'm thinking of that's pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 especially compared to you know Aero Mexico, right, which is like four hundred bucks. Um, but yeah, I'll be going. I'll probably be flying into. I've not I've not actually booked the tickets yet. I need to do that like ASAP. But I'll probably be flying into Mexico City, staying there for around a week, and then probably taking the bus to Oaxaca. Um, and then have the second week over there before flying back. So, yeah. I've heard very good things about Oaxaca, uh, especially about its food. Uh, 
So, um, well, have you been there? That would be, I haven't. I haven't been to Mexico at all. Really? I, I have family that have been there a lot uh, for surfing and for for touristy purposes, and I I've watched YouTube videos of travelers going there. A lot of people have gone there in the past year because of COVID. And it being pretty open, so uh, there's been a lot of new travel content on it. But I have not been there at all. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of surprised you haven't been to Mexico ever. Because I would have. I mean, you said you lived in like San Diego for like five years, right? I did. I lived there for o- almost eight years, and I I never even got south of Chula Vista. I didn't even get to the the border in San Ysidro really? at all. Huh. Because when I when I went to, Some of it, when I went to San Diego, I explicitly made the point to like take the light rail to the border and then walk into Tijuana. Did you take the the bridge that goes from the Tijuana airport over the border, or was it just, or did you go through an actual like border crossing? And like the actual, like the busiest one in the world, you know the um what is it the San Isidro, um point of entry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just, just that one, you know. The one that um, I haven't even. The one that the light rail goes to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't even take the light rail that far south or even go that far south. And maybe it's just because my family really isn't like a, a, a warm weather, tropical weather kind of family. We really haven't been to places like that and haven't really sought those opportunities out. But maybe maybe in the future we'll end up in Mexico. Yeah, you guys, I mean, you also said you were planning like to go to, I mean, are you guys planning to go to Salt Lake City soon? I remember you said said that usually every year we try to go there in the winter because uh i have a lot of family there so we try to visit them and to ski uh because i i learned to ski in utah so we try to go back every year and just see a bunch of different people uh and of course last year it was covid and we didn't go and it was pretty sad because i'd been there for most years prior to that um but flights actually are pretty expensive they're they're like 350 to 400 dollars round trip a person on any airline even southwest it's more than to mexico I know, which is crazy because the flight times are only two hours or something, and you can easily drive there for less than that, or there's the train too, uh, from from the Bay Area to Salt Lake City. So there's a lot of options, and I don't know why flying is so expensive. It, it's just a bummer. I mean, I guess I mean if you're I guess if you're flying like Delta or United, then it would be certainly much more expensive. Plus, like like for example, this this Viva Aerobus ticket, you know, no, you don't. Of course, since it's a low cost carrier, you don't get any 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 baggage you also don't get any the times are also inconvenient right so for example the the flight from chicago to mexico city is a red eye taking off at eleven fifteen p.m and arriving at four in the morning in mexico city which is not great you know I mean, I don't really have a problem with the the timing in a sense, but if that's the only flight of the day that they're operating, it's kind of random because it is like they could easily do a daytime flight, or maybe it's just that the the uh, O'Hare Airport is so slot restricted yeah. that they have to fly out at that time. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess since it, you know these both of the airports are like really you know um, popular per se, I guess it's you know that's the only way that they can do it to keep costs down. And maybe that's just when the the demand is high enough for uh for low cost uh tourist flights like that. I mean, because uh, it does get you into into Mexico City early in the morning, which would probably be attractive to some travelers. I mean, I I hmm, I, I, I mean, I guess I would have thought otherwise, because like first of all, you know, Chicago to Mexico City isn't exactly you know tourist tourist routes. It's not like Chicago to you know 
Cancun or whatever. But like, I would have I would have expected you know the traveler times to be more like land in the evenings, right, where you can go to the hotel immediately, instead of four a.m. where you have to wait all the morning and then all another few hours before you can you know put your luggage at wherever you're staying. And I would too. It's it's interesting though because it seems like there's generally a pattern of of flights from the U.S. to to Latin America. At least because in uh, San Francisco, most of the flights uh, leave either really early in the morning or uh, really late at night. Uh, I think the Copa Airlines flight uh, leaves and it's an overnight flight to Panama City, and then the the Avianca flight at least. There, I believe there's two at least pre-COVID. There's one at night and one really early in the morning. So it's it's weird these patterns that they they operate on but i guess uh, i mean i guess i guess for just for this route specifically because like you know because because you're just flying north and south there's no change in time um i guess for this route it's 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 sort of like that because i know like for example flights to and from south america and the u.s because the flight time is like eight nine ten hours exactly they can operate red eyes and you know have it arrive at like nine ten a.m um but i guess since mexico is too close you know, you have to you have to get there at four, which is four a.m., which is not ideal. Which is not ideal at all. Exactly. And or maybe it's just a factor of competition of that. It's really the only time they can stake out like a a flight time that doesn't compete with other airlines because at least there's what Aeromexico flying it, um, and probably United and American too. Yeah, there's Aero Aeromexico, Volaris. Um hmm, I uh is do do the Mex do American Airlines have they have they begun they've they've resumed to to Mexico City, right? I don't know. I would think they've Oh they they do. They, they have a... Yeah, they do. They're just super expensive. <laughs> but uh, but Volaris is interesting because I would have thought that they would be similar in price to, to Vero Aerobus because they're both theoretically low cost carriers. Theoretically, Volaris is like, yeah. I mean, I guess on other routes, maybe, maybe more like domestic routes, but on this one, it's more, you know, I guess it's like Southwest. They, they are con, <laughs> a con low-cost carrier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned, so you're going to, you're going to Mexico City and Oaxaca, uh, and to me, you mentioned you were going to take an overnight bus is that is that right well i mean from from mexico city to oaxaca it'll it'll just be i i don't i don't think i'll I'll be taking it overnight um i i have not closely examined the bus tickets yet but i do know that i just look at the the prices um but it is a seven hour bus journey to and from mexico and mexico city and oaxaca um which should be you know decently interesting um, the only times I've ever taken, you know, the bus system, the Adeo bus in Mexico, was to and from Cancun. The hotels, uh, the 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 hotel zone in Cancun and the airport. Um, so I've never gone, you know, on these this this sort of long distance trip before. Seven hours would be would be super interesting, at least to me, because you would see a lot of the the like interior of the country, right? Because Oaxaca is not on the coast. Or yeah, it's inland. You would have to drive. Yeah. It's inland. Well, yeah, that'd be that'd be super cool just to to go through the the interior of the country and to see a lot of the, the smaller villages and towns. Yeah, at least see them you know when you're passing by, which which should be pretty neat. Um, but I mean, again, right? Um, 
there's certainly some concerns, especially with COVID. Like, returning to the United States from Mexico, you do need to procure a negative COVID test. But going into Mexico, there's no restrictions, but you have to get one coming back. And because I don't speak Spanish, that would be a slight worry, I suppose. But, yeah, but we'll there, you know there are COVID test options at airports. I may, they might be ex- expensive. Yeah, they are. I, I I mean I saw they're like 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 thirty bucks for one COVID test. Thirty U.S. bucks. Is, is it that much? Yeah, that's that's expensive for for airport testing. Yeah, because I mean I mean you know the airports you're desperate, right? They're gonna rank. They're gonna crank up the price, like hella crank up the price. And if you're already paying for a check bag, it almost just acts as like another fee so yeah if you could get a spanish test or a test just like maybe if it's in spanish but not in a pharmacy yeah exactly yeah i guess you'll have to brush up on your spanish for that Uh, i have to pull out my middle school spanish skills again (laughs) a blast ingles i'll be saying that uh but anyway so uh uh, I guess moving on um, from just looking at Mexico, uh, we thought that in today's episode it would be interesting to to look at, at the future and demise of Alitalia. So just uh, yeah, so a, a quick overview. So speaking of another, speaking of another country whose airline aviation is like who who's who's speaking of another speaking of another country whose aviation situation is not super ideal. Um. Yeah, Alitalia. We have in, we have in Italy uh, right now Alitalia, as we have mentioned, which has been in existence in Italy since 1946. But as some of you viewers may have noticed recently, they're not selling tickets anymore because on October 15th they are officially folding and being completely restructured into a new airline, which is going to be called ITA, which I believe stands for Italia Trasporto Aereo. Uh, and it will be completely different from Alitalia with a lot of different uh, components that we'll talk about and whatnot. But it will be completely different than anything we've seen before in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, first of all, it should be just a little bit of context. The current flag carrier of Italy is Alitalia, um, which is notable for two things. Number one, it that it's not just a generic, oh, Italy Airlines, as other countries do, right? Um, it actually has... A, a decently memorable memorable name um but the second the, the second thing which it's perhaps known more for is being a total financial basket case um it is it is you know in 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 the past right the, the government and numerous other companies um have injected billions and billions and billions of euros into the airline but it is still you know in economic shambles and leading up all the way up to today leading up all the way up to you know this year of october where they are folding for good and again yeah, so to give a sense of just how unprofitable they are like i mentioned earlier alitalia has been in existence since 1946 and in the 75 years that they've been operating they have turned a profit only once in those years which was in 1998 now i don't actually know the reasoning behind why that year was so successful uh, but for for seventy four years out of their history, they have been continually losing money, uh, and completely changing their their strategy. Actually, uh, I don't believe they had they've ever had a formal business plan except for maybe uh, around nineteen ninety eight when when the CEO devised one. Like they've been 
completely mismanaged and completely uh like ha- they have very uh, a very short-term vision for the most part of what the the company's going to look like and that shows in what they they've done they've really failed to expand failed to be consistent in their messaging and branding and everything really uh, under the company mhm mhm so i mean i guess it makes sense that because you know what what they've all, the, what the people now right the people involved in restructuring the new airline I'm sorry, in setting up the new airline on the backs of Alitalia is that they are saying that like this is not another, you know, this 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 is not just a rebranding of Alitalia, right? Um in fact, you know, Alitalia is basically let is basically being set to 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 die on its own um because you know, people are eager to push this as a new identity, right? As a new Italian airline, one which, you know, will invoke the pride of Italy, um, which Alitalia had in the, the beginning years of its history. Um, but, you know, ITA will not be, well, it will physically not be taking on any of Alitalia's, you know, the, the sort of, the sort of you know, the assets which are really unprofitable, um, which would, you know, send ITA onto a, a course for disaster, um, they're just really eager to to rebrand it as a new airline, not as another restructuring of Alitalia. Well, and the point that you make about uh, nationalism is interesting because, at least from from what I've researched, there's been a lot of criticism leveled at Alitalia because they've been so focused on nationalism and essentially be, being a patriotic airline over the course of their history, and that they almost place too much emphasis on being like Italian owned or Italian backed and I think it limited them for a while in attracting investors and in in company strategy because they really tried to focus on being just essentially a, a, a version of Italy just in the skies and I in in many ways I think that was limiting for them in terms of what they could offer where they could fly mm-hmm. and it also took until 2014 to get a, a foreign investor because they were mostly looking for Italian investors. So the the direction of the company was really limited by that that patriotism in a sense which was uh, one of the reasons why they were failing uh, financially. I mean yeah, for sure. I, I that, that that does make sense. Like you see, you know, the big um like many of the big profitable airlines, um Emirates, Singapore Airlines, they're not, you know, explicitly hard pushing um oh, Emirati pride or Singaporean pride, right? It's more, you know, just good service in general, which certainly does make sense in limiting Alitalia's, um, you know, performance. But I would say, I will say that, like, you know, at least in its early years, right? Um, and I've, 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 you know, been reading up on this. Um, you know, when, 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 you know, global air travel began to become more accessible to the general public, Alitalia really did make, did have a, a good name for the brand, right? It was a, it, it, it made, it, it, it was notable because, you know, they had the sort of service, you know, familiar Italian food, Italian hospitality in the air, um, which, which, you know, is something that, um, you know, throughout the various researcher programs, they have been trying to revive. But I think, I, you know, I, it certainly makes sense that that is very, that is certainly very limiting in terms of in, in the actual modern aviation market, especially with... For example, um, all the low-cost carriers and all the other um, high-quality service airlines who are competing against Alitalia. Yeah, and you know, and for so long, 
Alitalia really didn't have a competitor in a sense because for most of their history, they had almost uh, like 80% or 90% of the slots at airports. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the competition that would start up in, in Italy just really didn't compete with Alitalia on the on the the scale that we see in some other countries like with in South Korea for example and it I believe it took until like the 1991 uh time period for for a competitor which was Meridiana to start up and even Meridiana didn't really uh compete in terms of its business model with Alitalia and then there was the the introduction of Air One later in the 90s which Alitalia ended up taking over uh and converting into a low-cost carrier so for most of its history, Alitalia has really been without a competitor, which is also uh, partially uh, to blame for their failures because I, th I think in some ways Alitalia has taken this monopolistic position for granted and not really tried to be innovative at the same time. Well, actually, you know, Alitalia runs a monopoly on all the city. They actually run a national monopoly um, on Vatican City. <laughs> oh, is that, uh, is that they they operate the the papal flights? Is that right? Yeah, they do. Um, it, you know, Alitalia is 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 the airline of choice that the Pope takes. Um, it's actually pretty funny. Um, basically, I believe it was it was since I believe 1964, Alitalia has been the Pope's official airline, um, and it's pretty funny because when the Pope rides it, they refer to the plane. The, the plane is always given the flight number AZ-4000, Alitalia 4000, um, and it's always referred to as Shepard 1, which is a play on, you know, Air Force 1. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, I mean, they do have a monopoly on Vatican, on Vatican City. On Vatican City. <laughs> now, I wonder if that'll stay consistent with ITA and whether they will stick with ITA. It's that's actually interesting because IGA is taking over a lot of Alitalia's assets, but they're only starting with, I believe, 52 planes. So they're really only a shell of what Alitalia used to operate. And I didn't check specifically, but I don't know how many long-haul planes they're actually going to have and if they're even going to be capable of providing a uh, Shepard 1 flight. I mean, they say that like they're going to acquire 52 of Alitalia's fleet like immediately. Um, which is, you know, in like compared, compared to other new airlines, that is a lot, um, 52 right off the bat. Um, but, and, and they have plans, you know, in by 2025, they will get this all the way up to like over a hundred. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I guess it would certainly, you know, it's certainly a lot compared to other new airlines, but I mean, it's not like Alitalia didn't have profitable routes, um, so I mean I guess you know you need that sort of that sort of service and especially since you know the airline is owned the airline will be owned by the Italian government. Mm -hmm. But you know for uh, for essentially ITA is becoming the new flag carrier for Italy and will be exclusively operating I believe just the profitable routes that Alitalia flew and when you compare that to some of the other flag carriers like Iberia or Finnair or Lufthansa or British Airways or uh, or Air France, it's incredibly small relatively uh, for a country that is very uh, has a, has a very high uh, political capital, uh, soft power, uh, and a lot of F, uh, global and economic influence. So for for a flag carrier, of course, it feels very small. Yeah, Italy has a uh, huge amount of soft power. 
and and Italy too also is the fourth largest airline market uh, in Europe. So there's a lot of uh, air traffic, and uh, now we'll see that their flag carrier is going to be quite small once it once it starts up in October. Well, I mean, like I guess now is a good time to talk about some like for example the, the problems that IT will face, right? Um, which I think you know the biggest problem and one that Alitalia struggled with a lot. Um, aside from you know lack of money, of course, um, is you know as as I think we we, we touched on before um, the issue of branding because does Alitalia di- like did Alitalia right and and will ITA brand itself as um, you know patriotic national Al- uh, Italian pride um, will it brand itself as something more Lufthansa. Emirates-esque, you know, luxury and quality service? Will it brand itself something more as, you know, a more run-of-the-mill um, flag carrier? You know, something along the lines of, um, I don't know, uh, Czech Airlines or Air Serbia, um, which certainly has a presence, but, you know, is not of the tier that, that Lufthansa or Emirates operates. Um, I mean, I don't know, what, what, what do you think? What do you think would be, you know, how, how, is, the, how is the Italian government going to put ITA into action so ITA to my knowledge is taking over a lot of assets from Alitalia notably their frequent flyer program Mile Melia uh, and some planes and some slots and I think that indicates to me that there is still a lot of uh, Alitalia branding they're inheriting and as we mentioned Alitalia's branding was exclusively uh, like Italian nationalist and patriotic so in those ways I think it's very uh, similar and consistent with Alitalia's branding, but also just a, a search on Wikipedia, they show a logo for ITA, which uh, is colored in the Italian colors, and I kind of like it, actually. Uh, it looks a bit more modern and refreshed than Alitalia's logo. And th- and to me, that suggests that there's still a very concerted effort to to look and appear Italian uh, and, to, and to offer, essentially, like an Italian experience in the air. Uh, despite it being pretty small. So I would expect that it would still be very consistent with the Italian image, but I don't know in the sense that that's limiting because uh, at least from from the outset, it appears that ITA has a very clear uh, focus going forward on being profitable and less as much on the branding side of things, which was seemingly what Alitalia was focused on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at this logo. I mean... I guess it, I guess you know it's 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 sort of I, I guess I guess it's you know what you'd expect the ITA INT are in green and then the A is you know the colors of the Italian flag um yeah I mean it's 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 pretty I guess it's I guess it's pretty notable when like you're you're, you're painting you know you're you're like the entirety of your plane is basically the Italian flag that's certainly you know representative of that's not even subtle that's just you know plain out invoking um italian you know italian pride um but i mean i i I, you know i guess it would be in everybody's best interest right to not be limited in that way as you said um if you know with, with the with the focus more on um the focus more on profitability first before anything else um well, that, that, that's, first of all, you know, the only way to survive, but also um, it would also, for example, limit, it would also help prevent another repeat of what Alitalia has been through. Um, 
which has been, you know, super burdensome for all the parties involved, including other airlines, including the Italian government, and including the Italian people, right? So, for example, in 2020, the Italian government injected um, 3 billion euros into Alitalia. I mean, you know, somebody's got to pay for that. Um, and, you know, the Italian people certainly were not very happy with Alitalia's, you know, fight for survival, you know, always being in the flailing state, having to inject more and more and more and more money. Um, and I... You know, I doubt that the Italian people coming up with that, the Italian people continuing on in the future, um, you know, they, they, as with anybody having to pay taxes, right? You don't want a repeat of that. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for, it wouldn't be good for, you know, the government either who, who relies on, you know, of course, the people to, to win elections. And, and that's where branding, I think, is key because Alitalia for so long had this, this, I guess, sense of, of venerability and being around for 75 years and this national nostalgia symbol in a sense that even if it wasn't profitable, it still was a, was like a very, I guess, critical example of Italian soft power and of Italian uh, aviation, which uh, ITA is definitely not going to have because it's going to be a very new enterprise, new branding, and probably pretty foreign to a lot of Italians who would expect Alitalia to be flying and not ITA. Uh, and and also in, in branding, I mean, ITA itself is not a very attractive name, at least to me. Ita. Uh, Ita. Yeah, like, I, I would expect, like, Alitalia is at least way more easier to say. Uh, it, I guess phonetically is a lot smoother. Yeah, it's, it's more unique, with, exactly. Like a, Yeah, like a plane with ITA is like eh like i don't know it it doesn't really feel attractive to me and it just feels it's like it's like abbreviating middle eastern airlines to mea like it's just not very it's like not very catchy yeah middle eastern airlines is like a, i i don't like that name but it's so generic like you have you know british airways gee thanks um you know you have right austrian airlines thanks you know air canada um alitalia is one of the few who has you know a unique name like lufthansa right that's that's unique um you know unfortunately there's not too many of those but ita is is i guess on um at least at least you know in terms of name naming it's not unique at all um if anything they're just missing the lia because it you know italia they just chopped off half of italy's name in italian so <laughs> I mean, they could they could have picked a name like a, a, like Italiana or like Italia or something like that, but it it does make me think of uh, SAS because I believe in English they go by Scandinavian Airlines System. Uh, I don't know if they have a Danish name. I assume they do or a Norwegian name, but uh, in a way that's very much what ITA is doing, where they go by uh, Italiana Trasporto Aereo and shortening down to ITA. So maybe maybe it'll function like SAS and SAS is I guess more of a, a, a household name now, but. Or, yeah, SAS, or even, like, for example, KLM, right, which is, you know, um, well, KLM in Dutch, it literally just means Royal Aviation Company, right? Um, but KLM has established, you know, to become, you know, sort of unique, a more household name. Maybe ITA will be the same thing. Um, but I do, what you did, what you did, what you just said in that, you know, having that sort of nostalgia of Alitalia and, you know, always being the one, that's but and and you know that sort of nostalgia keep hindering them from um from becoming more successful that's sort of like you know the pan am mindset in the later days eh where you know they had this 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 just air of you know sort of inevitability 
right? Like, you know, they, this our airline will always be around because we were, you know, the first. We were the the, the true first, you know, um, Italian airline, the true first um, American airline, right? One who pioneered a lot of things. But in the end, it ultimately led to the airline's demise um, and then being replaced with, you know, in Pan Am's case, um, the big three, United American Delta, who, you know, are certainly much more modern, certainly much more... Um, much more uh, flexible, innovative, especially exactly yeah. innovative. They're more flexible in everything, um, which I mean, I I suppose is 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 what ITA hopes to be, but just can't it can't get caught up in the the Alitalia nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia is very much a double edged sword, like you mentioned, because it it's great in in I guess keeping loyalty and attracting Italians and recognizing that okay they're flying on this very nostalgic airline and they they want to seek those experiences but and and but at the same time it is very limiting as we've talked about because the the company really just goes for keeping focusing on domestic operations primarily one and also um marketing itself as just like this very italian patriotic airline but not really having actually a strategy for profitability and picking routes that maybe will expand the network and and or do things like that uh which I obviously cost Alitalia. I mean, well, here's the thing, right? I, I, I here, here, here's the thing, right? Um, one of the one of the officials at Alitalia actually said this quote, um, you know, in reference to you know constantly, you know, having to inject money into Alitalia. He said, "quote It's like curing a terminal patient. You can try to make him feel less pain for a while, but not forever. That is therapeutic obstin ob- obstinacy." Right. So and and that principle is certainly true. Right. You you if you have, for example, a terminal patient, you can't if it's terminal, there really is no way to fix it. Right. You can't you can inject all the medicine you want, but that's not going to help in the same way. Alitalia was sort of flawed in that in that in that sort of mindset. Um, And as a result, just constantly, constantly, no matter how much money you throw at them, it wasn't going to work. You know, the the the. Italian people, right? The the companies, other companies involved, everybody, they're just frustrated about Alitalia, and they were they have been for a while, um, both in terms of having to pay for it, but also because the service had had you know declines as well, right? They, there were lots of strikes, lots of you know a lot a lot of canceled flights, um, reduced networking as well. So you know ITA will have to overcome all of these barriers as well, you know, to really paint themselves as, okay, we are not them, um, which, like I said, is, is what you know, a lot of people are trying to do. Um, but again, they also still have to find a way to be unique amongst uh, themselves as well, which ties into, you know, making, creating the, the ITA identity. Um, whether or not they'll be able to do that, you know, that, that is up for time to tell. Um, you know, it, the, the major Italian airline has just, you know, is, is going to collapse. You know, it's, it's, it's still too early to talk about, you know, whether or not it's still too early to at least, you know, make a conclusion on whether or not this, this, this new one can be successful right away. Well, yeah. And with Alitalia, at least, you know, the, the, the analogy about the terminal patient is, is interesting because in, in a way there's, there's a lot of things you can do earlier in, in your life to prevent the chance that you do get a terminal illness, and that, I, uh, to me, rings true for Alitalia, because they were they, re- they were really, as we've talked about, uh, 
devoid of any kind of strategy or formal business plan for a really long time. And at least in the in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, they could have been doing a lot of uh, innovating or uh, expanding their root network or creating uh, new technologies like frequent flyer programs earlier or uh, doing, uh, I guess, uh, online ticketing and things that a lot of other airlines did uh, that Alitalia was, I guess, slower to do and the government was really not really liberalizing or, or I guess liberalized enough to uh, provide Alitalia flexibility. So in, in many ways, uh, ITA is in much is, is in a much better position because as we've mentioned, they're starting with a lot of profitable assets and have a lot more structure to them and a lot more, uh, I guess, conservancy in that they're starting really small and, and, I guess expanding fairly slowly with only doubling doubling the fleet size in what is it four years? So they've they've got a long way to go to even just get back to Alitalia size, and I like that they're doing it in a in a conservative manner. They're not like rushing. That yeah. Which speaking of which, I do want to go over just what their initial plans are for what they want to serve. Uh. At least, so right now, Alitalia has a lot of flights to the U.S., uh, both to the East Coast, to the Midwest, and to the West Coast. But notably, uh, ITA plans to only fly to, to Newark and Boston preliminarily and nowhere on the West Coast or even west of the East Coast. Well, yeah. I mean, in, at least in the United States, they'll be only commencing immediately to New York, Boston, and Miami, which makes sense because, you know, Italiano, right? Um, then it says, you know, they have they have announced that like from 2022 um they will continue flights in the u.s from to and from rome and washington dc as well as uh, los angeles and then after that 2023 chicago and san francisco right so this is like you know a very 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 generic plan um for service to and from the united states and europe right certainly all of these routes are, are very high demand um new york to rome new york boston miami to rome and milan they they're very high demand um, even in 2023, right, Chicago, San Francisco, um, you know, Jack, I'm sure you'll be able to tell us how, I mean, I'm sure you'll be able to tell us that, you know, San Francisco people love Italia, eh? I, I, it's interesting. I was going to highlight that actually we did not have a direct flight to Rome until I believe 2018. Like even before that, Alitalia didn't fly here and I don't believe oh. United had a non-stop flight at all so we've been really devoid of so was it was it was it the united italy. the united that was it united that flew from san francisco to in rome uh they do now i don't actually remember when they started that service uh but i believe it was slightly before alitalia and i think alitalia uh came in as a response to united <laughs> really <laughs> to and from san francisco yeah, exactly. But I that goes to show, I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't actually think there's a lot of, of demand to Italy, certainly not business demand, because there's mostly tech companies in the Bay Area that often have uh, far more demand to Asia, at least. And we've seen, at least at Estevo, a major boom of, of Asian routes, especially to India. I mean, uh, but nothing really to Europe. I mean, I would have expected, you know, like like Rome, cities like Rome and Milan. They're not, you know, they they are they are centers of, of development and all that. Um, but I mean, I guess it's since you know Italy is such such a at least in the United States, Italy is such a you know what's the best word romanticized country. 
everybody wants to go well, all over the <laughs> world actually right it's so romanticized you know the, the 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 city that you fly to in italy is literally the 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 city whose what am i saying the city whose name the word romance romance comes from right um you know rome roman romance um so i mean th- there's you can basically i guess you know wherever they fly out as long as you know there's it's decently it's a decently big city there will certainly be lots of demand um and that is you know italy is not a market where you have to explicitly promote demand right it's not like for example you know a lot of it's not like for example a lot of um countries in africa and asia where where you know the the airlines of those countries have to have to not only provide service to already existing markets with demand but also have to promote you know their country there in general right and sell the tourism there yeah exactly italy you don't need to do any of that um conversely though you have the other problem which is that there's too many airlines who want to service italy right which is also what partially led to the downfall of alitalia you know you have um you have you know so many you just have you know all the big european airlines servicing you know uh, milan rome naples um, to and from their own hubs, you have low-cost carriers in there. Ryanair has a very, very extensive network in Italy. Um, in terms of long haul, again, you know, um, there's there's lots of connections to and from Paris and and Berlin and everywhere else, uh, such that you know, for a lot of the the for a lot of tourists who arrive in Italy, it makes so much more sense to fly via London or Paris or, or wherever else. Um, and that's again, you know. That that's really the challenge for for ITA, not not promoting Italy. Italy is well promoted, um, but in promoting this nonstop connection and making that affordable enough, um, well, affordable enough to attract customers, but not so affordable as to not not so you know cheap so as to you know um, ensure profitability. Mm-hmm. And and. and- Briefly going back to San Francisco for a bit, we did have from 2018 to 2020 there was Air Italy, which was a Qatar Airways backed low cost carrier that flew, I believe, almost only exclusively long haul mm-hmm. out of Rome and Milan. But they flew to San Francisco, and that quickly was pulled. Uh, so the the long haul situation is interesting because that may have just been. Uh, just a, a lack of name recognition, or maybe just the airline was selling seats but couldn't really sustain routes elsewhere. But either way, uh, the long haul market to Italy, uh, both uh, especially in the low cost realm with both Norwegian and Air Italy folding pretty quickly, uh, I'm really curious to see what ITA can do in that space. To to my knowledge, I believe the long haul routes are actually the most profitable in Alitalia's network. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I, I, it looks like ITA wants to continue a lot of them, especially to New York and to Boston. Uh, but, of course, we've seen a lot of failures, too, like I pointed out, and it will be really interesting to see which ends up ha- or what ends up happening to ITA because they aren't going to be a low-cost carrier, and they have um, a, a fairly decent product that they would be inheriting from Alitalia. And I don't know if they're going to create their own product or not. I would imagine probably... But who knows what it's going to look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, especially you know, you did mention Air Italy, which is sort of you know, an example to see what is a wrong way of of operating, right? Um, 
and it's something which which IKEA which will really want to look at as an example to avoid because Air Italy only commenced operations in 2018 and they shut down two years later in 2020. Um, the shutdown was, you know, of course, 2020, you know, February 2020. That is when a certain something came into the world and had some minor disruptions on aviation. Um, but in reality, you know, Air Italy had been struggling long before that, right? Um, and you know, if you if you look at the reasons, it's it's pretty clear to see. Um, they didn't have name recognition. They had competition on nearly all of its routes, um, both international and domestic. Even with and even within Italy, they failed failed to capture any of the market because um, if you looked at you know, for example, in um, for example, you know, in in the week of for example, in twenty twenty, um, if you look at this chart. At just just before they went into liquidation, Air Italy, they were the eleventh largest airline in Italy by seat capacity. They were beat by Air France, Eurowings, British Airways, and Lufthansa. Not to mention any of the low cost carriers. Um, so you know it's a pretty it was a pretty abysmal performance. Um, they also expand. Another big issue was that you know ITA expanded way. T- uh, I'm sorry, Air Italy expanded way too fast. Um, some exactly yeah mm -hmm. like if you know for example they 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 had long-haul routes like almost you know just within two years to mumbai delhi bangkok and some of the others as you mentioned right san francisco too um they were obviously trying you know backed by qatar airways they were trying to recreate some of that um but you know it was it was just not um not not realistic, right? You, you you can't grow too fast, otherwise you'll just fall fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. And Air Italy, yeah, as you mentioned, they expanded super quickly, and notably, both Air Italy and Alitalia, at least between twenty fourteen and and now, have been invested in by Middle Eastern Airlines because we saw in twenty fourteen oh, yeah, Etihad. Etihad invested uh, took a forty nine percent stake in Alitalia, which backfired horribly on them. I believe they've lost millions of dollars on that investment um but ita will definitely not be invested in by a middle eastern airline at least for now i heard they're looking for uh, a partner to work with which will also impact which alliance they join uh so there's potential uh, cooperation with uh ita in the future but they won't be seemingly having a major uh, investment backing by another airline which might be good because it will at least limit how much they can expand if they don't have uh an overflow of funding. Yeah, they can't piggyback on that and, you know, try to feign sort of profitability and try to, you know, seem better, greater than they actually are. Mm -hmm. and, and the alliance point that I mentioned is interesting because uh, Alitalia has for been almost 20 years been in SkyTeam and IDA preliminarily will not be in an alliance. So SkyTeam will be losing a, a very key member of the alliance. Uh, which was that you could fly to Italy on SkyTeam, which you can't do in any of the other airlines, at least directly. I mean, sure, you can fly uh, Lufthansa or, or Air France and get close to Italy, but you can't get there directly. So um, ITA and whatever alliance they're joining, which I've heard could be, it might they might partner with Delta or they might partner with Lufthansa. So that would be a, a major addition if they were to join an alliance and be huge if they joined Star Alliance, which has not previously had an Italian airline. Yeah, I mean, when you said SkyTeam is losing such a critical member, yeah, they really are losing, at least looking at the list, the only major airline to be in serious, serious, serious financial trouble.
<laughs> and even if they are doing horribly, they still, in terms of the the name recognition and power, I mean, I had always thought that Alitalia was in the top five of Sky Team Airlines, or maybe top six in terms of its like brand name and total political ca- and social capital, or maybe it's just its aviation hegemony, shall we say. Uh, but they are obviously leaving side team on October 15th. I guess it'll be interesting to see how, you know, and whether or not ITA really decides to join an alliance, because at least in terms of the, the, the routes, right? Um, so, I mean, referencing the same chart of, like, referencing the same chart of, like, you know, before COVID happened, um, you know, the different airlines by their seat share in, you know, by their by their you know seat share, uh, in terms of the Italian aviation market, um, Alitalia actually only comes in third behind Ryanair and EasyJet, um, but, and but the problem is Alitalia at that time only had around twelve percent of all Italian seat capacity, um, which is really not great and really shows and really, you know really goes to the extent to show how abysmally the airline performed at least on terms in terms of its domestic. Um, domestic network which is you know where obviously most of the profits are to be found um so ita will be entering that again you know with huge competition from low-cost carriers um which i i i suppose will be another interesting thing to consider because um as of right now you know um some airlines you know are some 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 of the national airlines in europe especially are really lacking in terms of their domestic competition um, they are focused almost entirely on being the the international ones, right? Um, there are obviously certainly you know some exceptions. You know KLM um, runs a ton of flights to and from small cities in the in the Netherlands, but also to tons of small cities in and around other countries. Um, whereas other airlines, you know Air France, Lufthansa, um, aren't exactly you know super domestic domestic friendly and leave all that competition, leave all that market up to the low-cost carriers. Um, I mean, I, I, I would suppose that ITA would also, you know, be in the type, be in the latter type and not be engaged in, um, you know, the vicious competition between, you know, low costs between Rome and, you know, Milan, Rome and Venice. Um, although, I mean, if they are pivoting far away from, from Alitalia, that is certainly a possibility, right? So so I'm looking at the, the list of destinations now. They're currently planning on starting with 16 destinations, uh, and they're mostly just all the, the main cities, like the Bologna, Catania. Uh, they're not flying to Florence, which is interesting, but they're flying to like Genoa, uh, Naples, Palermo. Well, Florence, Berlin, uh, Florence Venice. is like, Florence is a, is a big hub for Ryanair, right? No, it's I think not. you're right, but it's it's also fairly close to other cities like below. Yeah, Rome. that's right. You can easily take the train anywhere. That's right. But what's interesting, at least here, so they're flying to Milan, but they're flying only to Linate Airport, uh, which, uh, at least from my research in, into Alitalia, was very contentious for them because Alitalia seemingly had no idea whether they wanted to fly to both Malpensa and Linate, or both, and they kept flip-flopping. But now we see clearly that uh, Linate, at least, is the preferred uh, domestic airport for for flights in Italy. And, and I guess that makes sense, because it'd be easy, it's closer to the city, uh, and there's 
a bit less competition from bigger airlines. Uh, mm-hmm. Linate still is a is a large uh, hub, or not necessarily a hub, but they do have flights on EasyJet and on on uh, with Air, mm-hmm. uh, some of them. So I mean, there there is competition, but it would be much better suited for domestic travel. Linate Airport, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Malpensa is located like way out, far away from Milan city center, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I guess I guess that that small, that small differentiation is really important because it. I guess it. I mean, I guess that means that ITA is like wanting to brand themselves as also one that cares an airline which cares about the domestic network very well, eh? I think so, but at the same time, uh, Alitalia served way or is serving way more destinations uh, in Italy than the IGA is at least starting on. Uh, and at its peak, Alitalia served a lot of destinations and have cut back on a lot of them and have cut service to a lot of them. Uh, at least I know that in Pisa, for example, they cut nearly all of their flights to to any city that wasn't Rome or Olbia. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I think that's generally a pattern at a lot of airports that with all the, the service cuts and employee cuts they've been doing, they've been losing a lot of that domestic network. And, and it seems like to me that the ITA is only inheriting the the profitable parts, which isn't going to leave them with much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and even, you know, to and from all the major, um, all of the Italian domestic cities, all the minor ones, it was really just, you know, another um, hub-and-spoke model, only to either Milan or you know, Rome, Fiumicino, um, which, you know, you, you really have to, the, the, which in Alitalia's case, there really was no incentive to, to, you know, be loyal to those routes because you could either take, you know, Ryanair or something to anywhere else in Europe, or you could take, you know, another airline's connection, a foreign airline's connections, you know, Air France, Lufthansa to, and connect their worldwide network, which is certainly much more, um, shall we say, exquisite than alitalia <laughs> although i don't know and, and the, mm-hmm. yeah and, and thinking domestically too in italy you have also heavy competition from not only low-cost carriers that that may be better to some people uh but you have the train services as well like the the freccia rosa high-speed rail or the freccia gento or uh some other services too but like you can go from from places in italy pretty quickly on the train i think it's only two or three hours to get to Milan by train, which could compete really well with flights. So in, in some ways, I don't know that the domestic flight network is all that important uh, for ITA, but they could do something where they, and actually a lot of other airlines, I think KLM and Air France have done this, where they you can book a train ticket through the airline mm-hmm. and it, it's a code share. And that might actually be something that could work really well in Italy because you can transfer pretty easily between almost any airport in Italy at least in the big cities, uh, and then just book a plane ticket as well. So that, I think, is actually probably going to be a better strategy for ITA than just uh, trying to, sure. to build up a domestic network. For sure. I mean, I know that, for example, in Alitalia's case, Italian, the, the Italian railroad company was you know, very interested in you know, both, both partnering and in helping out, right? Um, because, of course, strong aviation market means... Well, strong international avian market means you know more people to come and take railways um but i mean if 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 ita is able to get that sort of agreement in place that would be amazing because i i i know people in italy and they say you know it, it is the train is super super convenient for domestic travel 
Um, so that will be, you know, if you can't sort of the, 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 the principle of, you know, if you can't, if you can't beat, if, if you can't, what, what's the saying, right? If it's basically, if you can't beat them, like be their friend so you can join forces, right? Um, which would certainly be beneficial in ITA's case. And, and for the railways too, because then they would have all of the, the ITA passengers booking connecting legs on them and i guess it's just like a regular code share for aviation where it really benefits both sides as long as you can get it approved mm -hmm. of course but uh, as, as we come towards the end of this obviously there's one big question that we need to answer which is that in general is ita going to be successful and and is it going to actually be profitable so let me offer my two cents, just like general statements, right? All speculation, of course. I think that ITA, given its how, given this its style, I think it is certainly going to be much, much more successful than Alitalia. Um, I think that it will not be. It will be something on par with, at least you know for now, um, it will be something on par with, and develop into, um, for example, Tap A Portugal, Tap Tap Portugal, Tap Air Portugal, right? Um, or for example, Iberia, not worldwide renowned, but certainly, you know, they have a, a decent presence. Um, and it's, it's also comparable because, you know, both Portugal and Spain are also decently romanticized in their own right. Um, there's certainly not Air France, Lufthansa, Emirates, um, Qatar Airways, not to that caliber, but they are, they, they, they are, you know, making sure to not expand too fast, just as how, you know, TAP Air Portugal and Iberia, the two of them are also not in the business of, you know, flying absolutely everywhere. Um, in fact, it's not only the planes, but even, you know, for example, the staff numbers, um, Alitalia had more than, you know, 10,000 workers. ITA will only be starting off with 2,800, right? So it is a pretty cautious approach, a pretty conservative approach. Um, and I think that will be able to lead them certainly up to success if they can capitalize on, if they can use the Italian aviation market demand properly um, and is able to balance, you know, balance both um, the competition with other international carriers as well as the competition with um, either the railways and the, the domestic low-cost carriers. But I think their, their, their current 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 status current scheme will be a successful one is my opinion what do you think i i think i i, I agree because in in your comparison to to iberia and tap seems well founded to me tap those is a bit interesting because they are going very heavily on connecting and having people connect through portugal on cheap flights mm -hmm. both in economy and business so I, I would think their uh, ITA at least is a bit closer to Iberia and maybe also a lot Polish airlines because mm. um, th uh, those airlines have a smaller fleet and don't really focus as much on connectivity and are both uh, fairly patriotic in a sense. Right. And they both go for, for national pride um, and they're expanding conservatively, but also expanding as well. Like a lot is adding international destinations uh, as is Iberia. So and I think uh, ITA, once they get to the full capacity and their full fleet size in 2025 and even beyond that, it'll probably uh, turn out like a lot or an Iberia, I would think, 
Um, but you never know. They they could, I guess, gain prestige. But I think that they'll also have to coincide with uh, just airport development in Italy because Rome really is not a very good place to connect based on what I've heard. And the airport itself is run down. And I think if you want to create um, a major international hub with the major international airline, you just need general uh, airport improvements as well. Yeah, I mean, that is certainly, you know, with Rome being a connection, that's also up to, you know, the long term, see what happens. Um, there's only potential for Rome, just like how it, it had back in the day, where Rome was, you know, off, very often the connector to and from Europe and Africa. Um, the problem is that, you know, the, the Italian airline, the Italian airline presence at Rome has, has declined, and it's been taken over by, you know, Paris, Frankfurt, London, um, but there is certainly potential. Um, you know, it is located smack dab in the middle. Well, I mean, pretty close to the middle of, you know, the Mediterranean. Um, so it is. it would be in a, a pretty ideal connecting spot for, especially in the future, as more, as more um, flights open to and from uh, Africa and Europe, that will be, you know, maybe we can see more development on that front. Um, but with ITA, of course, um, you know, it is it is all speculation. We will see. As with any major transit topic, it is all speculation. Um, for now, at least, you know, there is still one and a half months to fly in Alitalia before it's gone forever. It'll, it'll be in our hearts. Um, it'll be in our hearts from, from then on. Uh, after that, though, it will be ITA all the way. Um, and it, 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 we will just have to see how it turns out, right? It may, it may, you know, have the slow build up to success. It may fall flat on its face right, right out, right, right out the door. Um, but in any case, um, you know, whether or not it turns into the former glory, or whether or not it just falls and becomes another air Italy, again, we will have to see.